It's so excited to see uh, some of the projects that we have funded so far this year. And I want to give you uh, the report right off the bat. So far this year, we have raised $3.4 million for Kingdom Builders. That's a great start. Now, our goal as a church is $6 million. You can see that we need $2.6 million. And we're doing this for projects like Africa's Hope, for uh, China Initiative, for Businesses Mission, where we're actually setting up uh, language centers and athletic centers and uh, sports training complexes so we can teach people about those things and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to start a thousand churches in India. I'm excited about that. These are different projects that we still want to fund. And today, uh, this weekend, it is Miracle Offering Weekend. And if you're new to the church, um, I'm amped up. I'm excited. I am ready to go because uh, I know what's going to happen. God's going to do something special. And I really know this right now. Missionaries and people all around the world are praying for River Valley Church. And they're saying, I am praying for a spirit of generosity to sweep through that church, all nine campuses, and something miraculous to happen. How many are believing something miraculous? Come on, clap at every campus. We're believing for that. Now I want to explain this, our regular giving uh, that people do, it's called tithe and they give it to the church. And there's actually regular offering envelopes in our, our uh, seat backs or on your seat. Maybe you get them on the way into your campus. Those are our regular offerings and that takes care of all the bills around River Valley Church, takes care of all of our expenses for the nine campuses. Of course, we even give some demissions out of that, but that's our regular giving. This offering that we're talking about now will be our kingdom builder. That's over and above giving, over and above, and it helps build the kingdom of God all the way around the world. People say, what kingdom are we building? It's not the kingdom of River Valley. It's the kingdom of God, and we're lifting up the name of Jesus all around the world. Now, we set a goal of $6 million, and um, if you didn't get it at the beginning of the year, every year we give one of these books out, and uh, many of you put them on your uh, coffee tables and, and keep them in your home, and I pray over it, and I've highlighted which ones I know that are already funded and which ones need funding still. And we have all these projects that are in there. I call it like a giant kingdom of God mutual fund, you know? We're gonna do good all around the world and I'm gonna pay for a little bit of that and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And uh, I love that we have uh, three areas, global, local, and future Christian leaders. So we do things on a global level. We do things locally because we wanna reach out to the people around us. And then we also do things investing in future Christian leaders. And uh, many of you set goals and you saw the book and you said, I want to set a goal. I challenged the church. I said, uh, maybe if you've never set a goal, uh, could you set a goal of at least $1,200? And many of you said, I can do that. That might be high. Others said, that's easy. And so I challenged many, could you do 5% of your income above and beyond your regular giving? And so many people set goals. Um, some people give systematically throughout this year. Um, others give when they get unexpected gain, where they set a goal and then all of a sudden unexpected things come to them and they give from that. Others sacrifice. They say, we won't do this, but instead we'll do that. And we see people that are save up for this day. They save up and they just can't wait to do it. And I do want to say this, many people just step in on this weekend. They're like, I didn't make a pledge. I didn't make, I'm ready to go. I'm excited about this, that all this money goes to help the poor, the hurting, the forgotten. It goes to expand God's kingdom rather than just take care of the needs. And the needs are important, but expansion is what we're talking about today. Now, today we get to make a huge difference around the world. 
and all across the earth and I need everyone to use their gifts. I need every single person. You say, well, I don't know if it matters. Uh, you know, I wonder if they need me. Yes, we need you. We need you. We'd love for you to be a part of this. Uh, and in two weeks, we'll reveal what we received. So it takes us about two weeks to get everything in. People that missed this week will be given an opportunity to give next weekend, and then we'll let, it, let you know what's going on. Now turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. There is a text, and I have so much here to get through. Um, I want to just teach on miracle offering for a moment. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the apostle Paul is talking to the church at Corinth. He is receiving a special offering. This is not their tithe. This is a special offering for a group of people in need in Jerusalem. And he's, he's, I'm gonna go through this verse by verse as fast as I can to get through this and let you see how the apostle Paul was handling, if you will, a kingdom builders type offering, an over and above giving to help take care of somebody in need. In 2 Corinthians 9 verse one, it says, There's no need for me to write to you about the service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help. And I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you were ready to give and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them into action. But I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready as I said you would be. Now, what he's saying, he said, you guys, you were excited. A year ago, I shared the need over there and you guys were super excited and you made a pledge. And it's a year that has gone by and and you haven't given it, but I know you will. How many know he's talking about procrastination right there? Like their heart was so big, like I'm gonna give you everything. And then they're like, oh yeah, we gotta take care of bills. We gotta do this, we gotta do this. And he's like, okay guys, come on. I know you were eager and I've been talking about your eagerness to everybody. And, and it's even encouraging other people to give. Now, don't let your eagerness to make a pledge keep you from coming through. And so I'm sending a couple of the brothers there and they're gonna come and receive that gift. And I know you're ready to do that because I saw your heart when you were moved by God to make that commitment. And I know you're gonna do it. He said, I know you're eager. It's interesting. And interesting, same problem today, procrastination. Like, I'm gonna give that. And then it's a miracle offering. You're like, I got two months to make this happen. I got two months to get this. Like, All right, but whatever was there in your heart, Man, don't let that passion die. Don't let procrastination supersede the passion that was there when you were thinking about the need. And so I'll go through this. I'll skip down to verse six. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And we hear that scripture a lot, but he's again talking about a special offering. And the word generously there, he's saying it's in context of this, like I have been blessed. Uh, upon the blessings that I've received, I just want to be generous. I just realized I've been blessed and I've been blessed to be a blessing and, and, and you've been so good to me, God, I want to do more. And it's as if you're trying to figure out how much more can I do? He's like, you're not sowing sparingly, but you're actually, instead of thinking how little can I give, you're thinking how much, how much more can we give? How much more can we do? I want to be generous in this and really lean into this giving and do as much as I can. Verse seven, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I won't get very far in this verse and I'll just break it down. Each of you, each of you, it's for everyone. It's for everyone. I know that we come to a miracle offering weekend like this and we're like, well, everybody that's rich should do this. And I'm cheering for them and I'm pulling for them. And I'm like, but each of you, it says each of you, each and every one of you, people people will say to me like, well, will my $100 matter? Will my thousand dollars, 
Well, my 10,000, I actually had somebody ask me, and I'd never say who, but somebody once asked me, they said, I don't think my $50,000 would really make a difference. I said, yeah, that, that would make a difference. That would, that would make a difference. Yeah, that would. That would, that would make a difference, all right? Because how many know that no matter what your amount is, you just think, ah, oh, that doesn't, uh, but it does make a difference. Yeah. This is in each of you, each and every one. Matter of fact, when I was at our Faribault campus, I was talking to them. I said, the beauty of our miracle offering is it's in each of us, each and every one of us. And don't think about the amount, like, like $6 million, that, that's a big number for me, okay? I'm just like, wow, that's a huge number. But don't think about that, think about the each of you. Each of you. It's about your obedience to God right now, praying and deciding what you should do. And it says, you should decide in your heart what you should do. I hope you did that. I hope you prayed about that. I know this, that this week, Beck and I sat down, we got out our giving record and checked it and we calculated and we looked at the miracle offering and we, we, this, we looked at each other. We said, we're gonna go over. We're gonna go over our goal. Uh, and I was like, well, I, I, we have the money. I wanna give, we're gonna go over the goal. And she's like, are you good with going over the goal? I'm like, I'm good with it. Are you good with it? She's like, I'm good with it. Let's go. And so we're planning, we're deciding. Nobody forced us to do that. We actually were given at a level that all of a sudden we got to it. We're like, we're ahead and we're gonna go past and we're good with it. Matter of fact, we've already planned out what we wanna do between now and the end of the year because we're gonna purpose in our heart what we wanna give. It's not gonna catch us by surprise. And then it says, not reluctant or under compulsion. And we're not manipulating you. We're not guilting you. Nobody was sent the letter saying, we see where you live. We see what you want. Nobody sent anything like that. All right. Nobody's doing that. I'm going to share the need, but we're not manipulating. And it's saying not reluctant, but like with joy, because God loves a cheerful giver. Okay. And what's interesting is in AD 380, in AD 380, I found this. From a, from a pastor, and he was talking about giving. It was from Maximus of Turin in AD 380. He said, cheerful is the one who attends to the poor. On the contrary, the person who pays taxes is always sad and dejected. <laughs> Love urges the one, punishment constrains the other. Like, we're not paying taxes today. It, look around, see if somebody's sad, they're probably paying too much in taxes, you know what I'm saying? We are happy. And he's saying, you know, love, love wants to give and you should be cheerful. We're not paying taxes. We are having the opportunity to give to change the world and nobody's forced to do it. Nobody's forced to do it. We get an opportunity to pray about it, each one of us, and to be able to give and to say, God, we want to do this. It's with joy as a cheerful giver we give right now. This is verse eight. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Why is that verse in there? I'll tell you why. He is combating fear. Here's what happens. You hear about the need. You cheer and then fear. That's what happens. And so he's saying, listen, God is able to bless you. Stop thinking you're taking care of yourself. You may think you're a self-made man, a self-made woman. You may think, well, if I give this, who will take care of me? And he's saying right there, listen, God is going to take care of you. God is your source. And it's not drying up. It's like a fountain that keeps flowing and flowing. A lot of us have an idea like it's a, it's a reservoir and it's running out of water. And God's like, no, I'm like a, a brook, a stream of living water. There's more where that came from. It's not drying out. It keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. And so he's saying, don't let fear keep you from your generosity. I mean, he's like, it's not cheer than fear. It's cheer than faith. 
Cheer than faith. Then hold on in faith. Every time you think, I should give that. We should stretch. We should go way beyond. We should part with this big chunk. And as soon as you do that, fear comes in. Don't find fear, find faith. That's what Paul's saying. And he says, it's not for you. It's up to God. He will take care of you. Then in verse nine, he says, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. He is quoting from Psalm 112. Now, I could get in trouble here, but Paul wrote this, all right? I want you to understand. Corinth was a very affluent city. It was a port city. Things came in and out. They got the taxes on it. A lot of products and goods were being exchanged. A lot of middlemen, a lot of middlewomen that were handling money and doing this. And so they were a rich area. You understand this? And he said, he throws this in from Psalm 112 about the poor. Why does he do that? Because the people of Corinth were generous, now track with me, to art, to parks, to parties, to event centers, to entertainment, to stadium seat licensing. That's what, well, maybe not that last one, but the rest. They were, they were, it was all about what does the public and the civic and how will my government leaders see me? How will the people in the community see my name on the building or I paid for the party? And Paul says, in the church, when we're gonna be generous, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna take care of the poor and the hurting and the suffering. And nobody's name is getting on the building, but the name of Jesus Christ is gonna be lifted up. That's what he's saying. And the same thing back years, in, in AD 407, an early church father, Christian Chrysostom, he, he said this, he said, look at how much we give to players and dancers. Why not give just half as much to Christ? That was in AD 407, not a lot has changed in 1500 years. Man, he says the, 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 the generosity in Corinth, the people that don't know Jesus, they can do the art and the parks and the parties and the cultural centers, but we're gonna take care of the poor and the hurting like this young man, Sasha. Go ahead and put his picture on the screen. Sasha is in Russia and he's part of Change 30 over there in Russia. You know what? They're page 11 in the book. You know, page 11 in the book with Change 30 and Sasha was 15 years old and the government placed him in that orphanage. And you know what happened? He played with a team that came to visit, like our Crosstown campus. Our Crosstown campus goes every year to change 30 to Russia. And he played with a team and he saw the love of the people that came from America to love him at change 30. And you know what happened? He saw the love of Jesus with the people that played with the orphans. He gave his life to Jesus Christ and his life was changed forever because somebody gave to the poor. I believe that deserves a celebration. Man, art is great. Art is great, but poor kids need food. They need a jacket. They need a hug. I mean, I want somebody else to build the museum and I'll build the church. That's what I want to do. I'm excited about it. The church gives to the poor. And so Paul's letting those people know, like, I know, I know you can get your name on the stadium, but give to the poor. Some of you are like, he hates art. I don't hate art. I love art. Okay? I love art. I just feel called to help kids like Sasha. All right? Verse 10, verse 11. Paul really slams it on here that God's taking care of him and he's supplying. He really like, he's like, boom, 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 boom. and when you read this, it's like, now he who supplies need to the sower, or seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. You see, he's like, boom, boom. and through us, your generosity will result in the thanksgiving to God. He's saying to them, you know, hey, you're rich. You got to understand you're blessed to be a blessing. 
God's looking down and he's looking for people that will handle his wealth well and, and will channel it to the people in need. And you're in a city where he's got lots of resources. And if you start funneling it to the people in need, God's going to enrich you and enlarge you. And he's going to keep doing this to you so you can keep doing this to other people. That's what he's saying. He's like, that's the way God's doing it. And, and people say, well, why is God's hand of blessing on River Valley so strong in so many ways? Because I feel like as God gives it to us, we give it away. And we've not made it about, we want the best buildings and this and that and this. We're like, we want buildings that are functional and we want to give money to the poor, the hurting, the forgotten, and we want to send it out there. That's how we want to live. And then he says, this service in verse 12, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. That's what he says in verse 12. And then in verse 14, he actually says, they'll pray for you. The people you're blessing are thanking God and they're praying for you. Yeah. That's why I said people all around the world are praying for us right now. Please, God, let River Valley once again be generous. Let them have a great miracle offering. Please, God, bless them, bless them, take care of them. And they're saying thank you and they're blessing and praying for us. They're saying thank you like this young lady that I met in Puerto Rico. I was in San Juan, Puerto Rico the other day, literally the other day, like two weeks ago. And I was there and with Convoy of Hope, they're also in our book. And if you don't know it, in September 2017, Hurricane Maria devastated Puerto Rico. About 3 million people were displaced because of that. 150 mile an hour winds, 20 to 30 inches of rain. Convoy of, Help and Convoy of Hope immediately jumped in and started helping. And of course, we support them and we gave more to them. They're in our book. And they're still there helping even right now. You know why? Because hope doesn't have an expiration date. Man, other things like the government, maybe a photo op. We're not there for a photo op. We're there to bring hope and hope is being delivered. And while we're there, we were feeding people. They were doing haircuts. They were giving groceries. They were doing games for the kids and they were praying for people in need. And I'm standing there and, and, and this lady comes up to me and she grabs me and, and, and she says, thank you, Convoy of Hope. And I realized I was wearing a Convoy of Hope shirt, okay? But I wasn't there representing Convoy of Hope. I was there representing you. I was there representing River Valley. And she's like, thank you. And I want to tell you, she was saying thank you to you for, for taking care of the need. She said, you don't understand. She said, this neighborhood is the worst of the worst. This weekend, five young boys were killed on that corner right there. She goes, we cleaned up 1,000 gun casing, bullet cases right on that corner. It was a drive-by gang shootout. Five of our kids died right there. Nobody comes here. She said, we've been forgotten by the government. We've been forgotten by the church. And then you show up and bring hope. And tears were rolling down her face. She said, thank you. Thank you for bringing hope. I could barely contain myself. It was one of those moments I couldn't believe it. That's what Paul's talking about. They're saying, thank God that somebody brought hope. Thank God for that. And they're, they're giving praise to God. And they're saying thank you to people like you that give. And lives are being changed. Lives are being transformed. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's, I, I absolutely love it. And then in verse 15, Paul says this. He said, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. For his indescribable. He's just saying, we've got an amazing gift. We get to bring the love of Jesus. We get to bring the hope. We've been given the gift and now we live on purpose. We aren't just accumulating wealth. We're not living like the people of Corinth trying to get our name on a building or show everybody how wealthy we are. We're living saying we want names in heaven, names for eternity, not names on buildings. 
and he says, we've got this indescribable gift. It's the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. That's why we're giving today. We're bringing hope and we're bringing the message of Jesus Christ. And I know this, we can do this. We're gonna do this KB miracle offering, Kingdom Builders miracle offering, so more people can know the love of Jesus Christ. I want you to know lives are being changed right now. And I want you to know before we go live to your campus right now, I want you to see this video of another life that was changed by the powerful giving of Kingdom Builders. I was born and brought up in a very, very poor family in a very remote village in the mountains. And uh, when I was uh, 12 or 13 years old, um, I got very sick. There were no hospitals, no doctors. So people will just go to their family gods for help. The sickness is kind of punishment because our family gods are not happy with us. You need to make them happy. My mom actually went to the Hindu Soothsayer. This fellow tells my mom that there's one more spirit that wants to join your family gods. The spirit gonna possess your son and he'll be famous in the village. But I really did not like that. One day I was just laying down in my bed and I saw this book lying down somewhere in a small hole inside the wall. I started reading it and this was a story of Jesus in this book. He's just healing people, he's feeding people, he's touching the dead, dead bodies and they're coming to the life. I told my mom, Mom, I'm reading this book and this book talks about Jesus Christ and I think he can heal me also. My mom just says, what happened to you? Are you crazy or mad or whatever? They decided the particular day that they were supposed to do the rituals and ceremonies and sacrificing. And, and that was the day, the first time I ever called upon the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, if you are the true one, if you are the powerful, please save me today. I joined their ceremony inside. Hindu priests started playing drums and chantings and singings. There were people already possessed with different spirit. They started shaking me, pulling my hairs and clothes and raising me up. And I was literally shivering with fear. And I was still calling upon the name of Jesus in my heart. Lord Jesus, save me. Lord Jesus, save me. That was the point when all the people that were dancing, they came to their normal consciousness. They sat down. The Hindu priest was like, I have never ever experienced this kind of stuff in my life. Every knowledge that I had, all the chantings and experience and power that I have, I have just tried. It's right there. But there's a huge mighty power blocking the spirit to come over to this guy. And I have no clue what is that. I cannot remove that mighty power and I quit. Everybody just dispersed and I told my mom, Mom, do you remember one day I was talking to you like about this book and this book talks about Jesus. That Jesus saved me today. My mom and my dad, the same day, both of them gave their lives to Jesus, the same day. They were like, yes, we have seen, we have experienced the name of Jesus today. There are so many thousands and thousands of people living on those mountains. Why did you only pick me and my family? That's 
so humbling to me. My entire family today knows Jesus and they worship Jesus. Not only that, but because of our family, there are so many people, they have come to know Jesus Christ today.